This parsha, this coming week, we're going to read Parshat Kitaitze. Kitaitze is one of the mitzvahs that's written about this, in this parsha. We're going to talk about. You see, there is two mitzvahs in the Torah. In general, the Torah doesn't give you reward for doing mitzvahs. No rewards. It's not an American norm that you're being rewarded for everything. Rewarded for everything. It's a rash norm. You do it and finished, or else. Then God doesn't give us reward, but there is two mitzvahs that's written in the Torah, the reward for him. What are the two mitzvahs? Respecting your parents. Respecting your parents is written. What would be the mitzvah, the reward for this, for respecting your parents in the Ten Commandments? You should live a long life, yes. And then there is another mitzvah that's written that you're going to get reward for it. What are, what's the other mitzvah? One other mitzvah in the Torah that's written, you're going to get rewarded for it, and for long life. Uh, no. was it, it's right before that paragraph, but it encompasses other things too. Honoring no. your father and mother, early study. And, uh, no, 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 you're confused. No, you're not talking about the Mishnah. No, no, I'm talking about <laughs> in the Torah. Oh. In the five books of Moses, there is two mitzvahs honoring your parent and sending away the bird before, before taking, sending away the mother before taking the baby birds. That's what you're going to learn. It's interesting that this, that one mitzvah is very common, honoring your parents, the most common mitzvah. On the other end, hello, hi. Where's Duplik? Not coming. Next time he should come, he should be back by Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Then, uh, and the other mitzvah is the most uncommon mitzvah. If somebody wants to take baby birds for himself, he shouldn't take him when he has the mother, when the mother is there. He should first send away the mother, and then he should take the babies. Right? We're going to read it right now, this mitzvah. The story of Elisha ben Avuya. If you chance upon a bird's nest on the road, on any tree, or on the ground, and it contains fledglings or eggs, if the mother is sitting upon the fledglings or upon the eggs, you shall not take the mother while she is on the young. Not take the mother while she is on the young. You shall send away the mother, and then you may take the young for yourself. Do this so that it should be good for you, and you should lengthen your days. You see, the mother is a, there is a motherly instinct that the mother wants to protect the young. They don't abuse her instinct that God created and use that as an opportunity to take care. Send her away, and then take the young. And this is, if, if you do this, you should live long. Okay, very nice, right? Nice mitzvah. <laughs> how, often, how often you have such opportunities? <laughs> you, there is some time to time in Israel, some rabbis get all excited that they have an opportunity to do this mitzvah. But it's not something that you get. On. It, you know, they used to say if you, like, even when the mother's not there and you had a nest with eggs, if, if a, you touch the eggs, yeah, they did use the mother do? would never come yeah. back. Really? Yeah, I don't know some, if that's some birds, that's modern, Just touch I them. Suppose, I mean, you don't have to take them. I suppose them. the whole idea, whole idea of the bird nest is a big, big thing. And the whole thing is just... Not, no, no, you can't destroy a bird nest to begin with. Hmm. Okay, now the, this, this mitzvah created a whole story. Source number two. Okay. Yeah. Sages taught or entered 
Four enter the pardes. What's the pardes? The orchard. Meaning? They delve into the deepest secrets of the Torah. Ben Azar, Ben Zoma, Achar, and Rabbi Akiva. Four rabbis entered, tried to understand the secret parts of the Torah. They tried to understand things cannot be understood. They tried to understand what's beyond the curtain. They wanted to understand God. I would say they tried to understand the why. You know, why, why God makes decisions one way? Why some people suffer and other people being rewarded? Mm-hmm. Why God created the world? What, what, things that you cannot understand, and if you try too hard, you might lose it. You might lose it. But they wanted God. to, but they tried to, to go as far as possible. Okay. Ben Azai is called Ben Azai because he, I think he wasn't married. And he's the son of Azai is called him Ben Zoma, the same thing. He looked towards the Shekhinah, whatever it means. I don't even know what it means. And he died. It means to say, this experience of digging too deep, he died because of that. He had a similar experience to... Who had a similar experience? Aaron's sons. Aaron's sons. Mm-hmm. The two Aaron's sons. They bought, both of them entered the Holy of Holies. We they offered incense, and God didn't tell them to do it. They had such an, um, such a spiritual anorexia that they wanted so much God that they, they, they lost it. They didn't want to be alive. They died mm-hmm. out of love to God, and that's what Ben Azayet. Okay. The verse precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his pious ones, applies to him. Then Zoma glanced at the Shekhinah and was harmed, meaning he lost his mind. He lost his mind, he went, he went crazy. He saw things that his mind couldn't comprehend, and he went crazy. The verse, have you found honey, eat as much as is sufficient for you, lest you become full from it and vomit it out, applies to him. Exactly. After chopped down the shoots of the saplings, meaning he became a heretic. Rabbi Akiva <coughs> left in peace. Okay, what is he saying? There were four rabbis. Ben Azai, the experience caused him to die. He got so involved, so sucked into it, <coughs> that he lost the desire to be alive. I think he was not married too, just like the sons of Aaron. Ben Zoma went crazy. Because to understand God is something that a human being cannot, cannot comprehend. And when you're trying to understand things that, you can, that are beyond you, you, you can go crazy. Acher, Elisha ben Avuya, that's the, the star of the, 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 the person, the discussion in this class. He became an heretic. It didn't make sense, as we're going to see later, why it happened. Because it didn't make sense to him. And Rabbi Akiva, Nichnas Beshalom, Veyatsa Beshalom. He entered in peace, and he, therefore he came out in peace. It means to say it like this Rabbi Akiva came, it, uh, walked into the, t- took, took the journey with an attitude that if I don't understand, it's also okay. When you're trying to understand and it doesn't make sense, you go crazy. You, you, you give up, you, you resent. Rabbi Akiva said, I'm going to try to understand. But if I don't understand, I'm still, I'm still believing in God. It's not a contradiction. The whole purpose of them looking at the 
No, it wasn't about. Huh? No, it wasn't about to prove there is a God. They were all believing in God. They wanted to understand God. They wanted to understand the operation, how it works. They want to be, and to understand God means to become God. And if you don't become God, you cannot understand God. Right. And that's what they, they went too far. What is Shekhinah? What is that? Shekhinah is the part of God that's, that's resting in the world. Shekhinah comes from the word Shochen, like Shochen means neighbor, like something that's, that dwells here, down. It's the, in some expressions, some the female side of God, it's, it means the part of God that's more related, relatable to the world. That's what Shekhinah is. So why did Rabbi Akiva survive? Because he, he came in with, with an attitude that even if he doesn't understand, I'll wake up in the morning tomorrow and I'll do what Hashem tells me. Hmm. It's not, it's not like, it doesn't make sense, and it doesn't add up, therefore, forget about it. Hmm. Sometimes it doesn't add up, and it doesn't make sense, and you still do it. Why doesn't say here that, because without explanation, like, thanks, John, by the way, we were just discussing what you're saying, you know, what should <laughs> You see, if everything would be said here, I wouldn't have a job. It's <laughs> 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 That's why, when we to do it, you know everything. Then no, my explanation was because we know Rabbi Akiva is Rabbi Akiva. That's why he survived, you know. But why is he why, Rabbi, why is he Rabbi Akiva? Because his attitude was not the bone. God forbid, in doing the Holocaust, some people lost their faith in God, and I don't judge them. God forbid, that for such terrible things, other people strengthened the faith. I mean, my father was in the gulags, and they didn't didn't. Because, because it's all about the foundation. The foundation of a Jew is Kabbalatol. Kabbalatol means accepting the yoke of the Torah. This is the way, you know, remember when you were a child, when you were a child, your mother, you ask your parents, why do you have to do that? Because I said so? That's the bottom line. Because God said so, not because I said so. It means to say, what we I don't understand. See, the Spanish Jews, 800 years ago, 900 years ago, they were very big philosophers. What happened was when Christianity tried to convince them, push them very strong and torture them to become Christians, most of the Jews, many, many, many converted to Christianity because when you rely on logic, there is always another logic. As a contradiction to this, the Ashkenazi Jews later took it to the other extreme. No, no philosophy, no nothing. Just learn and do it and finish. Don't, don't drink me a cup. Don't give me any stories. Because they saw that too much understanding, when you base everything on logic, you will fall. Because sometimes it doesn't make sense. You ask many people, why are you still married? <laughs> <laughs> Logically, it doesn't make sense. Right? <laughs> Actually, well, getting married doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> but why are you doing it? <clears throat> your commitment, your commitment to the marriage by the chuppah was so, was the, the commitment was that no matter what, we'll stay married. And it doesn't make sense. We are married to God. Then when you walk into this relationship with God, with a commitment at Mount Sinai, we're going to be just no matter what, you can survive everything. But if it has to make sense, God forbid sometimes it doesn't make sense. 
And that's the difference between Rabbi Akiva and the other three. Okay. Number uh, source number three. You see what happened here? Bad news, huh? <laughs> the guy who did the wrong thing walked away. Whatever you were saying before, that was not true, right? What do you mean? Yes. About the birds. <laughs> no, he did the wrong, he did the right way. Not only he didn't prolong his life, he died right away. That sense. It doesn't make any sense. That was his problem. It doesn't make any sense. What's going on here? It's like people went to the Holocaust. It didn't make any sense. I guess in another life, they will be, I mean, <coughs> somehow. That's oh, the <coughs> then he understood long life. Go ahead, I'm sorry. You go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, the, the first thing he said, I, I didn't, it, it didn't connect for me that uh, the, when the Torah says you do a mitzvah, there is no reward. It seems to me the reward is doing the mitzvah. Is, it is a and it's sort of like, you know, scientists want to take, well, who's happier, the person that follows logic or the person that follows faith? Um, you would think after enough, you know, experiences of doing a mitzvah and feeling good, you would obviously be happier. So very good. Sort of, uh, sorry, very good, very good, very good. Yes, that's what Hasidus is teaching, that the mitzvah alone is the biggest reward. You don't need another reward for it. But there is other rewards for it, and some people want other rewards. They want a nice car, too. <laughs> they want money. Exactly. They want a long life. They want health. Now, what it means to have a to long life, it doesn't mean necessarily in the physical world, because what is long life? How long is long? How long is long? Not that long. <laughs> 200 years ago, if you lived to be 50, it was a long life. 400 years ago, you lived 40, it was a long life. Now. A long life is 100, right? How about, I mean, at the time of uh, Noah, 100 years old was a short guy, a guy who died very young, you understand? Then physical, in the physical world, long life is, no matter how long it is, it's short. Then when the Torah tells you you live long, it means the soul will live on forever, will get a long life, will be connected to God. That there is a reward, not in the physical world necessarily, but in the spiritual world. But Acher, Elisha ben Abuya didn't like it. He said, what's going on here? He saw basically, you know, the old question, why bad things happen to good people, and people lose, lose it because of this? That's what happened to Elisha ben Abuya. It didn't make sense to him. He was a great scholar. He was a great scholar, one of the greatest uh, Talmudic sages. And he became an heretic. To a point, he used to walk into the, to the schools, he used to see this boy, he says, you? Why are you sitting here? You can be a good scientist. Go become a scientist. You can be a good architect. Why are you sitting here? Just to clean up the yeshivas. He was such a genius. He was able to tell people what they, what they're good at. 
and the ones used to help the Romans. They made the Romans do the Jews, violate the, the Shabbat. And used to tell them, and, and you know, the, the Jewish people did things that not so viol- it's not so much violating the Shabbat. They did it together. There is many laws you can go around. But in all the laws, they used to tell the Romans, don't let them do it this way, let them do it this way. Force them to do it. It was working against the Jewish people. That was Elisha ben Avuil. Then, there is a story, go ahead. Okay, continue. Source four, Talmud Chagiga 15a. After Achar had uh, strayed, he asked Rabbi Meir, what is the meaning of the verse? Neither gold nor glass can equal it, nor is a pure golden vessel its exchange. Rabbi Meir answered, this is the Torah, which is as difficult to acquire as gold and as easy to lose as glass. He asked him, Acher, you see, Elisha's name became Acher. You know what Acher means? The other. It was a different person. It was not anymore the sage Elisha. It was a different human being. Acher, somebody else. You don't recognize him. He didn't recognize himself. He became a heretic. Be... Then once he asked Rabbi Meir, what is written, that's written, there's a verse that says, it's neither gold nor glass can equal it to the Torah. No, no, it's, it's pure, a pure golden vessel. It's exchanging. Then he said, then he tell them what does this mean? That Rabbi told them this is the Torah, which is difficult to acquire as gold, and it's easy to lose as glass. He basically told it about them. You, it's, it was you, what you, you lost the whole Torah very quick. What what he told them? That Acher answered them. Go ahead. Acher responded, "Your teacher Rabbi Kiva said otherwise." He taught that gold and glass can be fixed or shattered, and so too can a rogue Torah say to be rehabilitated. Ah, Acher told them the opposite. Acher is basically speaking about himself. He says, just like the, there is, there is a, a, a vessels from silver, from, from a, a glass, could be, could, be re, could be put together again. The same thing as color. Even when he became, he went the, uh, astray, there is hope for him. That's what he said. It was not a conversation, just a, an abstract conversation. It was a conversation about them. Do I have a second chance or not? Now comes even, uh, it's all, I think the source 4 and source 5 talk about the same story. Go ahead. You want to read? Source 5, Talmud. Acher was once riding a horse on Shabbat, and Rabbi Meir was following him. Desiring to learn Torah from him, Acher told him, Meir, turn around, for I have measured, and here is the limit of how far you can walk on the Shabbat. Okay, I'll tell you the full story. The full story is, Rabbi, once there was Acher, Elisha ben Abu had one disciple with the name Rabbi Meir, and Rabbi Meir continued to learn Torah from Acher. Everybody ostracized Acher. It became an everything. Nobody wanted to deal with him. They gave him another name, the Oder. Acher means the Oder. They didn't even use his name. But one great rabbi, Rabbi Meir, was a very great rabbi, continued to start to have a relationship with his Rabbi, with Elisha, with Acher. Once Rabbi Meir was in Tiberias, I think, he was giving a lecture, Shabbos afternoon, and somebody walked in and told him, Rabbi, your old rabbi is outside on a horse waiting for you. Rabbi Meir interrupted his, his speech, his lecture, 
and he went to, to say hello to his, to his rabbi. The reason why he continued to have a relationship with them was because he didn't want to give up on them. He believed that one day he will bring him back. And they started to walk together. And that's where he asked them this conversation before that in source number four, what we, can, can a rabbi, can, can a scholar go back to Judaism or not? While they were talking, it was Shabbat, Shabbat afternoon. Rabbi Meir is walking, Acher, who is not religious, is, walk, is, is riding on a horse. You're not allowed to ride on, ride on a horse on Shabbat. But there is a certain amount of feet. I think it's 3,000 feet, 2,000 damos. Then you're, not, you, you're allowed to go out of town, not more than that, on Shabbat. Let's say from the, on the highway, there is no, no houses from both sides. <coughs> you can only go 3,000 feet. You cannot go more than that. Then Rabbi Meir is walking with his, with his former Rabbi. This guy is on the horse. This guy is walking. They're talking. And then Acher told them, hey, stop. You have to go back. He said, I don't know. He said, he was such a genius that while he was, while he was riding in the horse, he can't calculate it how much, how much feet is it, how much amot is. And he told them, you have to go back. Then uh, he told them, go back. That's what he told them. Return, go back. That Rabbi Meir utilized the opportunity. And he told them, Rabbi, how about you go back? You come back. He meant go back to Judaism. And Acher told them, I have not, he told them a story. He says, one day I was riding on a horse on Yom Kippur that happens to be on Shabbat. You know, it's like Yom Kippur can be in the middle of the week. But when you really want to make God angry, you do it on Yom Kippur that happens to be on Shabbat. Yeah, he was riding on a horse wheel. And the holy temple, where the temple mount was, where the, where the, where the holy temple was on Temple Mount, he passed by where it was the Holy of Holies. Right there, he went right there with his horse. And he said, he heard a voice. Come back, my, my troubled child, Banim Shovavim, I don't know what would be the right translation in English. The kids who are walking away, you all come back. God is calling to all the Jews to come back to Judaism. Beside Acher. That's what he heard. That he tells Rabbi Meir, I'm doomed. I have no hope. God doesn't want me. You're telling me, come back? I'm doomed. That's what he told Rabbi Meir. What's the truth is? The truth is that nobody's doomed. That even when you're doomed, and even the Rabbi once spoke about that, and he says, there is a saying in the, in the in Jewish tradition, everything, you'll be your host by, when you are a guest by somebody, everything the owner host tells you, you have to listen. But if he tells you leave, you don't listen. It means to say, God is the host. We are guests in the world. If God tells us everything that God tells us, we listen. But if God tells us you're not, you're not welcome. You're doomed. I don't want to see you. You knock on the door, you break the door, and you go in. Ultimately, you make a hole. You drill, you take a drill, and you drill a new hole, and you go in. Eventually, God will accept you. Then that was the mistake of Acher. He thought he's doomed. But there is nobody doomed. So that, it was like a test. How persistent, you like, how, how be, bad you exa- want to exa- be. Exa- exa- how, how much, how bad you want to go. Yeah. Well, was he an atheist? Or he became he, an atheist. Yet he heard this, this voice. You see, like all the atheists. <laughs> He wasn't an atheist. He was angry with God. 
he was, he was like, I would say, an heretic, I would say, would be the, right, the, the better word. He wasn't an atheist. You're right. Because he couldn't understand. It didn't make sense. What's going on here? How could it be done? Well, that's what God is. If I understand God, I can be God. God, the Kalkiruch has more connection to me, more relationship with me, understands that I can understand them better than I can understand God. I mean, between the limit, a limited human being, limited human being, and unlimited God, God, there is no, there is no relationship. And whatever God explains us, we know. Whatever He doesn't, He doesn't. But that's more or less the story with Dachem. There is more to come, but let's now get into it. Okay, you want to read what the Rebbe speaks about? That was just an introduction. The old child, yeah. Even after his statement became after, the Talmud relates that he told by the name of Job. And he explained the verse from Job to him according to the explanation of Rabbi. It means to say Acher educated Rabbi Meir, even after he became he was an heretic. I mean he told him you don't even know what you, you want Rabbi, Rabbi Rabbi Akiva is teaching. Okay. Only, and basically, in this story, you see two things. Rabbi Meir continued to go to learn Torah from him, even he became a heretic. And number two, Acher was still, he said, I, I'm an heretic, but you, you're a good boy. I don't want you to, I don't want to make you do the wrong thing, you understand? Then it's, that's in general how Jewish atheists works. And then a minute later, they tell you that God will help me. <laughs> but are you allowed to writing? Uh... Oh, Shabbat? No, you're not. No. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, Rabbi, no, Acher was not religious, obviously. Rabbi Meir was walking next to him. Acher was going, was under the under was telling him, you, you can... Uh, you went too as many... Much as, uh, as much as that, though he was by himself, was... Yeah, he told them, I counted by, by the steps of the horse, I counted how many, how much you have to walk, you can walk, and I calculated you're not allowed to go anymore. No, no, he was teaching him Torah. He's teaching Rabbi Meir Torah. And he told Rabbi I don't want you to sin because of me. I know you're a religious I'm man. Not like you're not allowed to drive the car. I get horse. What? The car. Yeah. Also, you're not allowed to ride an horse in Shabbat. Why I actually move you without even, you know, I don't know what because God said nothing. Okay. Uh, you want to continue? Rabbi Meir, one of the greatest scholars, he was 
He was the one the, in every, uh, this, the, the Talmud says if it's a Mishnah that doesn't say who said it, it's Rabbi Meir. That's how great Rabbi Meir was. Shaka wasn't a true heretic. I mean, he had he respect was, for the religion enough he, where he yeah, was still. Yeah, he, 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 he couldn't handle it, yeah. basically. Yeah. But it's kind of maybe even worse. You know, he is teaching Torah those by, as, okay, as we sometimes do, do as I say, not as I do kind of things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in a very specific uh, ultimate way, I guess, you know, like teaching Torah, though, not doing what says. Yeah, there were some people who learned Torah. Some people became, over the years, the stories I know, I knew people like this, who became heretics, great scholars, and used to learn Talmud because they enjoyed it, but not because they, they didn't believe in God. They were, they were, hmm. These people are confused. It's, it's painful. It's, it's a truth. What's more because probably, I, I'm guessing, that he was a great teacher, despite though he could not just do what... He was an unbelievable scholar. But Rabbi Meir, I think, not only learned Torah from him, the Talmud says he wanted, he took the best, he took the information, and he didn't take his beliefs, you understand? But also, it was the way Rabbi Meir wanted to continue to have a relationship with him, to keep him in the fold, to try to bring him back. So the explanation, I guess, for uh, Akar, uh, becoming Akar and whatever, is this, at least what's given here, the case for the bird that was kind of uh, triggered him to... That's what triggered him, yes. But, I mean, the whole thing, basically, it doesn't add up, it doesn't make sense. You got said reward and punishment, the bad people are enjoying life, the good people are suffering. It didn't work for them. Okay, you want to continue? Yeah, yeah one more paragraph, go ahead. B, what was his secret? The Rebbe, youthful Torah study. We can understand the reason for this based on a teaching of Elisha ben Avuya himself. Source 6. Elisha ben Avuya said, one who learns Torah in their youth is comparable to ink written on new paper. One who learns Torah in their old age is comparable to ink inscribed on worn paper. Mm-hmm. Newer, new paper, it lasts until before studies not stop. Elisha Ben Avuya, there is a Mishnah in Pirkei Avot, quote from Elisha Ben Avuya. Elisha Ben Avuya teaches us that anybody, that a child learns, when a child learns Torah, it's a clean, a clean paper, and whatever he learns, it sticks to him for good. And what you, when you learn when you're on, an old man, on our age, you learn and you forget, and you learn and you forget. You know how many things I learn and I don't remember mm-hmm. nothing? Yeah, that's not good here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at yeah, well, yeah. you got hope over here. <laughs> we have hope, some hope here. Yeah, yeah. yeah this side's better. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Alisa Ben Awuya studied much Torah in his youth. Talmud relates that his father said, since Torah is so great, I will devote this child to Torah study. As a result, the Torah he studied in his youth remained with him eternally because it was in the new paper that lasts. Elisha ben Avuyo is known, there is a famous story, how he became a scholar. We're going to read in Psalm 7 the story, what happened to make him a scholar. Avuyo, Elisha's father, was one of the great sages of Jerusalem. On the day of Elisha's bread, he called all the dignitaries of Jerusalem to gather in one house. And he gathered the Taniac sages, uh, Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yehoshua, in another house. What happened is like this. The Bris, Bris is a big event, right? Elisha, uh, Elisha uh, Avuya, Avuya was his name of his father. 
when Elisha was born, he made a priest. So the priest invited all the greatest scholars of Jerusalem, and including Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yeshua, who were considered the biggest scholars. And he gave them another room. They should study Torah by themselves, because they were too important to be with everybody else. Go ahead. After the distinguished guests ate and drank, they began to dance merrily. The Taniac sages sitting in the other house said, while they do their things, we will do ours. They sat and studied Torah. A fire descended from heaven and surrounded them. A voice turned to them and said, Man, why, you have, why have you come to burn my house down? Basically, it's written when they were, teaching, they were studying Torah, Belezer and Rabbi Yeshua touched great holy people. When they were studying Torah, there was like a fire around them. And it looks like Avuya was able to recognize it, to see it. Something is going on here. He asked him, you came to burn down the house? Go ahead, continue. God forbid, they responded. We were studying Torah, and it was as joyous as when we were given it at Sinai. And wasn't uh, that with fire? If this is the power of Torah, Avuya said, if this boy lives, I will dedicate his life to Torah. Uh, the, the two rabbis told them the Torah was giving it fire at Mount Sinai. When God came down at Mount Sinai, there was a fire. Then whenever great scholars learn Torah, there is like a fire around them. But you're not burning down anything. When Avuya heard that the Torah is so powerful, he says, I'm taking this boy and I'm dedicating only to Torah. Then the whole, the beginning of Elisha ben Avuya was a good beginning. From day one, his father dedicated them to Torah, to learn Torah. And when he was young, he learned Torah, and that was the beginning, and was imprinted on his soul. Even when he became an heretic, he was still teaching Torah to other people. Okay, you want to continue to read? No? Moishi, you want to read? Uh, this underlines the importance of investing in teaching children Torah. <clears throat> it is a biblical mitzvah for a father to teach his child Torah, and the Tanakh Tzedek rules that the child is also obligated to study on, on his own as soon as he is able to do so. We must invest great effort in this regard due to the great importance of studying while young, which guarantees that it will last like ink on a new paper. The Rebbe is here for an agenda. The Rebbe wants to stress the importance of teaching Torah to little children. Say, look, even Elisha ben Avuya, no matter what happened to him, but because he learned Torah when he was a little child, this is the time to teach Torah people. Not when they reach the age of 50, 60, 70, 80. And they are young. That's the time to teach them Torah. <laughs> I know, I know. What, what it's called 60 still, what should I do? <laughs> this is how? education is done Even before a child is old enough to distinguish between good and bad, they are taught to have almost specific enthusiasm about holy matters. The child is taught to take everything they learn to heart and to implement in the Hasidic education is to get the kids so excited about Yiddishkeit, about Judaism, it should become a part of them. We want to give them in such a way they can never get rid of it. That, that's who they are. That's their DNA. You get them excited before they know anything. We, t- we give a child to eat matzah before he knows how to speak. The taste of the matzah is in his mouth from a very, very young age. By that time, you give him this education, he will never... It will never Never be able to get rid of it, no matter what will happen. And that's what's so important with Jewish tradition. And that's why Jewish, Jewish education is so, so, so important.
preschool and, and kindergarten and early, early Jewish education, very, very important because what you engrave in the soul of the children is very young, stays with them forever. And even what the mother teaches them before he goes to school, the, 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 the bedtime stories should be Jewish stories, not all the zechveis was uh, nonsense, garbage that goes around in the world. Mm-hmm. And you're giving, huh? Yes, me. Mm. Oh, who knows what? I don't even know what, but I know for sure it's nothing exciting. Professor, <laughs> go for it. Separating good from bad. The Mishnah in Perkei Avot concludes with the teaching of Rabbi Meir, Akir's student. Rabbi Meir said, don't look at the vessel, but at what it contains. There are new vessels that are filled with old wine and old vessels that do not even contain new wine. You see what's going on here? There is one Mishnah, and this Mishnah is written first. Elisha ben Avuya said that a child, whatever a child learns is forever, if to learn as a child. Next to him comes Rabbi Meir. It's all connected. Rabbi Meir was a student, continued to learn from him. Rabbi Meir explains why he learned Torah from him. Because he says, don't look on the, on the vessel. Don't look on the bottle. Look what's inside the bottle. He wanted to say, don't look on Elisha ben Avuya. He's a heretic. Who? We should throw him out of the shul. Look what's inside the bottle. Don't look on the outside. Look on the inside. So sometimes you see a new bottle, but there is empty. Nothing there. This explains how Rabbi Meir was able to learn from Akir. He didn't look at the vessel, but at what it contained. He learned from the Torah. He learned from the Torah Akir contained from his youth. Torah that stayed with him. It's a mistake. He learned the Torah. That's what should be written. He learned the Torah. Uh, Torah that stayed with him forever because it was like ink on new paper. Exactly. However, However, Rabbi Meir's approach of learning Torah, even from Akher, is certainly not suitable for everyone. Oh, the Rabbi says there is something very important. Rabbi Meir can learn from Akher and not be influenced by his opinions, you understand? By his behavior. A regular guy, if you find yourself a teacher who is doing nothing but he's teaching you Torah, but eventually you might be influenced by his behavior. You become like him. Then this is business, it's not for everyone. Oh, I'll find some heretic in some Yupit's land. And I learned Torah from him. No, no, you'll end up like him. This is not something to take home. Let's put it, practice at home. <laughs> Go ahead. The Talmud teaches, the verse states, for the priest's lips should keep knowledge and they should seek Torah from his mouth. For he is a messenger of God. This verse teaches us that if the teacher is similar to an angel of God, you should seek Torah from his mouth. But if the teacher is not pure like an angel, do not seek Torah from his mouth. Okay, then, then, because in Judaism there is a verse from the, in the, in the, from the prophet, and you should learn Torah from, your, from, your, from, from somebody who is like an angel of God. The, 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 the prophet speaks about the coin. The coin used to be the original rabbis. If the coin is looking like an angel of God, learn Torah from him. If your rabbi looks like an angel of God, learn Torah from him. If he does look like an angel of God, don't learn Torah from him. That's why we're here. Yeah, but how you know what an angel of God looks like? That's a question. You need to compare your rabbi to an angel of God. You ever saw an angel? Hmm. Anybody lately saw an angel? Not lately, right? Then now I know. I do every day. You do every day. And you're sleeping. Oh, wow. You made it now for the week. You're good for the week. <laughs> it's true. This is, finally said something true that everybody agrees. Yeah. <laughs> then, then how you know 
if you're how you compare a rabbi to, to an angel, you never saw an angel. And the rabbi spoke about it and he says, what's an angel? An angel is a spiritual creature who does not have an ego. He does not feel himself. He's completely nullified to God. If the rabbi is nullified to God, then you should learn Torah from him. If he makes up his own agenda, then you don't learn Torah from him. No, if you wait until the rabbi will look like an angel, you might be very short of rabbis. (laughs) (laughs) And you take what's available. (laughs) Beggars cannot be choosers. You understand? Okay, finish this, yeah. Rabbi Meir was special, as the Talmud explains. Mm -hmm. Rabbi Meir found a pomegranate, and he ate the fruit and discarded the peel. This is the same concept as Rabbi Meir's teaching quoted earlier. Don't look at the vessel, but at what it contains. You see, I mean, he said he took, he took the inside and he threw away the, the, the pill. It means to say he was able to take the good and not be influenced by the bad. But a regular person cannot do this. Cannot say, oh, I'll go to learn in the most uh, um, atheist college and I will, I will keep, I'll, stay really, I'll stay believing in God. No, if you go to such an environment, you'll become like this. You'll be influenced by them. Rabbi Meir could accomplish it. Regular people cannot accomplish it. Still, there is an interesting thing. There is many times in the, ta- in the Mishnah, it's written, Acherim say. Acherim means the other say. Many times, instead of writing, and we know that it's considered to Rabbi Meir's opinion. Many times in the, ta- in the Mishnah, when they quoted Rabbi Meir's opinion, they used the word Acherim. Because Acher, because of Acher. The rabbis kind of didn't forgive Rabbi Meir for learning Torah from Acher. That they gave him the name. They called, they included him with his, with his old Rebbe. They said, Acherim, the others say. Okay, probably everybody, I mean, they are too, too late to the game, but those people who called him Acherim, um, didn't they know that they still he had this hell a huge high position in Jewish history, in Jewish life, and everything? Kind of like, we could look at everybody somewhat that, you know, okay, they came and they did, did a lot of work and only thing that did something bad they did, that's all we're going to remember them for. Mm. Is it like you talking about there? Rabbi Meir or you talking about uh, Acher? Acher himself, I mean, he... he no, 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 Acher himself was very bad news. Mm. It wasn't like he did one bad thing. I no, no, no. but he was a bad news. No, 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 no. A lot of our things... Are two things, two, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. I know, I know where you're going to do. The bottom line is you have to teach all the young people not to do it, and not to try to go after Acher. And therefore we say, this is unacceptable. It was working for Rabbi Meir, but it's not working for anybody else. And that's what the, what the Mishnah, with the word Acherim, in my opinion, wanted to say. This is not something to do. I'll be like Rabbi Meir, I'll go to Acher, learn from him Torah. No, 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 no. It's, it's not useful. It's, it doesn't work. We tried it, it doesn't work. So what, is, what does this mean for like people who stray totally from Judaism? They don't necessarily go somewhere else, but they just don't... They are lost, that's sad. We, try to, we have to try to bring them back. Our job is to bring them back. Here comes a whole story how much, how much Rabbi Meir and his students wanted to bring back Acher, back to Judaism. Okay, um, go ahead. Soul rectification. When Acher died, the heavenly court proclaimed that he would not be punished in purgatory and he would not enter paradise. He wouldn't be punished because he studied Torah and that merit protected him. But he also wouldn't enter paradise because he sinned. You understand what's going on here? He was in a limbo. Acher came to heaven. They cannot do with him anything. He learned so much Torah, he cannot 
the Torah protected them. On the other hand, you cannot go to paradise because he denied paradise. He denied afterlife. He denied that there is the God, there is there is the God in the afterlife, the whole thing. Then you cannot get something you denied it. Then what are you going to do with them? He's, he's in a limbo. He's not here, not there. By the way, afterlife, what it means, um, what it means, hell means that you're in a limbo. You're not here and you're not there. You're not, you never come to your own. To your, you don't find peace. That's what it is. Acher uh, didn't find peace. Go ahead. But he's not in purgatory, but he's... No. He's not here and not there. That's 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 that's, 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 that's purgatory. That's purgatory. That's purgatory. Limbo is not. It's not good. Nobody likes a limbo, right? So it's worse. You purgatory. don't belong anywhere. You don't belong anywhere. Exactly. You're not right wing. You're not left wing. You're in the left wing. They sell you your right wing. In the right wing, you tell you your left wing. Everybody hates you. You don't even know who you are. At home, they tell you you're not my child. You go outside, they tell you you belong there. Terrible. Go ahead. Rabbi Meir says, Omar Rabbi Meir. Mayor said, better he be punished in purgatory and then be able to the next world. Let him be punished for whatever needs to be punished and come to peace. When I pass away, I will request this in heaven. When you see smoke rising from Acher's grave, you will know that he has entered purgatory. When Rabbi Mayer passed, smoke rose from Acher's grave, showing that Rabbi Mayer's request was granted. You hear what's going on here? Hmm. But they know where Acher's grave is in, in Tzvat. I was there. The according tradition, this is the place where Acher gave it. In Tzfat, in Israel. Then, I think it was this. Yeah, I'm almost sure. It was many, many, many years ago. But yeah, I remember that. In any case, he said, Rabbi Meir says, I'll come to heaven and I'll ask from God. They should judge him. And then he can come to heaven. Go to heaven and find peace. Once, uh, whatever, they have to be judged. Be... Then it started to go, when Rabbi Meir died, a pillar of smoke started to go from, from Acher's grave as a sign that he's being punished. It's a, it's a sign of a spiritual situation. Okay. Rabbi Yochanan, the, you continue. Um, but why, why it would be? Phil. 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 <laughs> One second, question. Why what, Rabbi Meir requested that he, they would see that when Rabbi Meir passed away, in from Acher's grave was uh, smoke rising. He wanted to show people that is the man he was going to be judged, but I who have the power to bring him to, 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 to heaven. Rabbi Meir loved his Rebbe, his former Rebbe, and he wanted to give him the ultimate favor. <laughs> he should find peace in heaven for eternity. But he was in purgatory. For a little bit. He said a little bit purgatory, but then he'll find peace. We'll be done you with mean it. after Rabbi Meir passed, uh, then yes. Acher was judged. Acher started to be judged. Oh, then he started to be judged. Yes, okay. yes, 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 yes. No. Go ahead. Okay. Rabbi Yochanan said, is this greatness to bring your teacher? Is this the only solution? Tell him, that's a greatness, taking your teacher and then giving him trouble. trouble. That's, what, that's what you need you for. Go ahead. He was one of us, a Torah scholar, and we cannot save him. If we grab his hand, who will drag him away from us? So to speak, we all come. He said, oh, just pull him out of hell. Just take him, pick him up and take him out. He continued, when I pass away, the smoke will cease to rise from his grave to let you know that he was released from purgatory and brought to paradise. Indeed, when Rabbi Yochanan passed, the smoke rising from Acher's grave ceased. Because Rabbi Yochanan pulled him out of hell and brought him to heaven. 
One of Rabbi Yochanan's eulogizers said in his eulogy, even the guards of the heavenly gates can't stand before you, our teacher. For the gatekeeper of purgatory couldn't stop Rabbi Yochanan from taking Akar out of purgatory. He took him out from whatever the place was and he brought him, he brought him to peace. He says, we can do this. It's not, the, the, to, to get him punished is not such a big achievement. To get him out of punishment, this is the achievement. Has that ever happened anywhere in the, else in, in the Bible where somebody has moved from purgatory to... Everybody moves from purgatory eventually to heaven. It's, everybody's being judged for a certain amount of time, and then he's going to heaven. The question is how long. Hold on, hold on. You say even really, really bad... Jewish people, every Jewish person eventually will go to heaven. Yes. <laughs> Listen, he, 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 he acts like he's the, 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 the guard by the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody will go eventually. You know why we say Kaddish for 11 months? I'll tell you. Because the worst Jew is being judged for 12 months. Then... I don't want to assume that my, fa- my, my parent is the worst, the worst person. Therefore, we say, we say Kaddish for 11 months and one day. But that's the idea. To help, by saying Kaddish, we help the soul to find this peace, to go through the process of purification in a much easier way. I hope, I hope that's what it's all about. Then, but this is an amazing story. They say there is a, there, there is a you know, by Hasidim, and somebody is being very somebody, we did it for my mother, we tell her she should ask to go to the Rebbe. Because the Rebbe will, so to speak, pull you out from wherever you are. Rebbe, but this is really kind of, uh, I don't know how to say it nicely. This is, uh, defies, I guess, the idea is that you have to be a good person, good Jew, or whatever. Because then you can do whatever you want to say, okay, and eventually I will end up in heaven, okay, so I will suffer, right. but I will have a lot of fun mm-hmm. and do the bad things, mm-hmm. just whatever, you know what I mean? That's kind of... Uh, if there's no consequence, I guess he's saying. Yeah. He's saying. Right. To your behavior. To That's why it makes it hard. That's what makes it a challenge. Yeah. Okay, all agree, it's a problem. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but didn't they also say that the amount of time, you, you, although we said Kaddish for 11 months, that it's, we say that because we don't know how many months we're going to need to say it to elevate them all the way. But some people can elevate quickly and some. Yes. Not so quickly. I'll tell you. First of all, you know, there is some people who are on the, on the welfare system. Your neighbor is on the welfare system. He never goes to work. And you think yourself, I'm every morning has to go and slave. You'd rather be on the welfare system or be on the good, uh, or, or make a living. Or earn your own money, tell me. I, I understand what you're doing. I agree, yeah, from that point. Right? Then if somebody is handicapped and is in the welfare system, no, we have no choice. You have to help him too. But you get what you earned. The Talmud says a person either earn one dollar than get for free ten dollars. Because he doesn't feel satisfied. When kids start to feel appreciate uh, the, 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 the value of money, when they work for the money, what the parents give them, you give them, you give them, you just want their life. You have to teach them to, to earn it, because then they become mentioned. A human being wants to feel achieved and accomplished. And, not, and, not, and, and when, you, when, you, when you give him a salary, when you give him a salary for free, and you take his job, work that he did, he says, oh, I, this, this drawing that you did is worthless, I will do nuance, you kill him. When a person is being fired from a job, it's not that he lost the money. It's the rejection. 
or that was not good enough? Why, why did they reject me? I just talked yesterday to somebody like this. That's what it's all about. That when a person, yeah, eventually God has Achmonas on every child. Listen, you have a few children. Two children are very successful, very big achievers, and the other one, or you have five children, ten. You help also the other child. If the child, the child who is a very big achiever, screams, why you gave my, my brother so much more money? Why you didn't give me? You are an achiever, you're successful, you don't need the money. He has no choice, you have and we need to help him. And don't worry about the Rachmones case who eventually goes to heaven. But that's number one. Number two, ultimately how close you are to God depends on how much work you did in this world. The more you invested, you only benefit from what you did. If you did less, you're further away and uh, you're back there in the, in the bleachers. Exactly. But that's not what I was talking about. We all thinking probably different. You're talking about that, uh, hey, this is like, uh, did put effort, didn't work, whatever. How about really, really bad people? Someone who killed, whatever, this way. Because they are I being punished too. An, uh, asterisk, this one is not, not going eventually. Mm. They, these people have, are punished too. But even these people, go, even their heaven is like a little bit of a punishment. Even the heaven is not the heaven that a regular person gets. And eventually God is the only one who knows what's reward and what's punishment. And he gives everyone according to what he needs. But there is tshuva, there is repentance, there is always hope for fixing things back. <coughs> and the Elisha ben Avuya story is the best example for it. Okay. Continue. Yeah, please. That means to say the good things that you do, the Torah that you learn, will protect you, no matter what will happen. One question. Yeah? So what the whole story has anything to do with the birds and the cage? <laughs> because, because of this, that was, his, that was the trigger. How Elisha ben Abuya became an heretic, because he saw one person taking the babies from the mother while she was there, and he had nothing happen to him. Then he saw another, another person sending away the mother bird and then taking the babies. And he came down and a snake hurt them and killed them. And said, what's going on here? There is no justice in the world. It's not what you promised. You promised long life for somebody who will do the mitzvah. That was the trigger for him becoming an heretic. That's what it's all about. But eventually he came back. And Elisha ben is a story of hope for every one of us. No matter what, no matter how. We have to love and care for every Jew and reach out to him and never look on the outside and the battle, look on the inside. And then we bring everybody back to Judaism. We never give up, we never... How his story, to what you're talking about? I mean, he's still kind of, in his heart, he was a heretic, but instead, you mean he continued to uh, teach the Torah, that's what... The, the... Yeah, and also eventually Rabbi Yochanan brought him back to, his, to peace. But what the Rebbe is learning from this lesson is, Look the power of somebody who learns Torah when he's young. And this talk was is especially relevant before the New Year starts, when the new school year starts. 
how much you have to pay attention to when was this? when was it said it no, was, I mean, when did this take place oh this, uh, this uh, they took place 2000 years ago yes thank you for all joining